Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to share this one with you because we've got Daniel for a car debate whose wife has allowed him to clear out the kids' college fund and spend all their money on buying the fund. Wait a minute. Did you read Did you read the same oh, one I did? No. I don't think so. It's not 350 to 400,000, it's 35,000 to 40,000. Oh man. Very different conversation. And it's not the college fund either. They do uh, they do still have kids and they do have to send them places. Yes. Daniel, here I was ready to recommend McLaren's and we were going to go it was going to be hot. Oh, it was going to well. be the, the, the non-everyday uh. driver day. But anyway, okay. <laughs> no, so uh, this is going to be fun because these are two really pretty fun car debates. They've got some twists and turns in here. And and, and wildly different. Yeah, they're, they're very different. And uh, that's why I, I pulled these out of the hat and uh, came up with Daniel here. He's in the Washington, D.C. area. And he does have this 35000 to 40K budget. And he comes from the Honda lineage. He is Honda guy. We've oh, yeah. known Honda people who every product must be a Honda. And should I step a toe into the pool of other cars? So, Daniel, I'm excited to talk about this because this is going to be Yeah, he's shopping fun. for some fun, which will be really cool. So we also have Aaron. He is in Lincoln, Illinois, and asking for what is the Buick of small SUVs? And so that's a lot like saying the Phantom is that's the Cadillac of Rolls Royces. If you think about that's that. A, that's a strange question. It would be intriguing to get back to that. I, I, I like I, that, this. So this is I, I felt very fun. pigeonholed by that whole, <laughs> that whole discussion. But I actually wanted to have a conversation prior to that about the film we just released. We just released our MX-5 versus FRS film. And wow, is that getting discussion. Oh, yeah. I, this I just, is crazy. I mean, everybody is jumping in. And here's the thing that I did want to say real quickly that I think is so interesting. The most common question we're getting on that is, hey, guys, wouldn't the club model be totally different? Because yeah. I, I, yeah. I guess I guess what I've come to I guess what I've come to realize is that people are reading the specs of the club model, which we did not have. We had the launch edition. Launch edition is the same as the, the grand touring. Yes, the club model is a little bit sharper, but but little bit is the key. I think people are reading those specs and thinking that Mazda has made an S two thousand and we avoided it. Mm. I think that's what mm. they're envisioning. And you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I hate to recommend other people's videos, but I'm going to. Watch the Motor Trend, uh, Carlos Lago, who's actually excellent. Watch the Motor Trend, really good head-to-head that he did with the club model versus the BRZ. You don't have to get a couple minutes into that before he's already acknowledging the fact that the BRZ is sharper with flatter handling. And they have the club model. Hmm. I mean, Mazda's hmm. whole premise, when we talked about this in the piece, Mazda's whole premise for this version of the Miata, the ND, was to make a car that was soft with body roll so that the driver could feel it. And that's across the board. That's not just the Grand Touring. Do I think the club feels sharper? I think it probably does minimally. And I would actually like to get you. I'd like to do, when they come out, we have a a weird line on a possible, the club sport, which is the $50,000 track prep version. I'd love to get all three. I'd love to get the, the club sport. The Grand Touring, call up the same owner that gave us his uh, his uh, launch edition, and also get a club model, drive all three and talk about the differences. But everything we know from Mazda and everything we've seen from others that have driven the club 
don't misunderstand what Mazda's done here. It's not like here's the hardcore flat aggressive version sure. and then here's the grand sure. touring floaty model. It's just like floaty and more floaty. Is, is really what's out there. <laughs> what level of floaty do you want? Less floaty, more floaty? Well, I mean, that's kind that's of kind what of they built. And, and, and you can look at that Motor Trend piece and you can see those commentaries right away. The other thing I think is funny about the Motor Trend piece, actually, on a side note, one of the reasons that it was interesting to drive uh, my car versus that MX-5 is anytime anybody does stats and metrics on these two cars, the, I will acknowledge the MX-5 is coming out faster, brakes faster, goes around a track faster, and it's always by small margins. And every time I see that, I wonder, okay, put decent tires on that FRS. Hmm. Yes, the MX-5 is faster around a track by like a second, depending upon the track. Yes, it stops three or four feet shorter. Yes, it accelerates a tiny bit faster. But in every case, we're talking about decent I think on ours it was the the Potenzas, the Bridgestone Potenza, Potenza uh, 01s. I think that's what was on the one yeah, we had. Yeah, those 001s. So, uh, so that's the that's the one that's on the MX-5. And then, of course, versus those low rolling resistance, I don't have grip and isn't that funny, on the FRS or BRZ. <laughs> so, I mean, right. that... We, I know we hammer on tires all the time, but I would, I would be curious. We're not stats guys. We don't go out and do that. But I'd be curious to run all those metrics with the FRS on just decent tires. The way to do it, which we can't do. The way to do it is let's do Bridgestones exactly the Across same tire the board. on both right, cars. Right, right. I can see exactly that. Exactly the same tire. Well, but, you know, that's not going to happen. But it'd be interesting. It, you bring up a great point, though, about stats and how much you and I have to research a car prior to us getting in it. So we, of course, know what we're getting in, and, and we, of course, have our own anticipations. And especially with a Halo car like the brand new MX-5, we're getting back sure, into this yeah. car, reading the stats, and thinking, okay, I think this stat is going to tell me this about the car. And then when you and I get to a place and we, you know, drive the car, you know, through the course of the review, and either it does or it doesn't, I think that's where our commentary can start to change. And so that's something that we always strive to do is, and that's what created the entire slogan that you will see on the back of both Todd and I's shirts, and that is you can't drive the stats because we've got to know what we're getting into. So we've got to know those. And generally speaking, generally, we know, okay, so that stat, that number is going to kind of mean this, but not always. And so then we have to go, okay, so – well, I thought this number was going to equate to this amount of happiness or this amount of driving pleasure or, you know what, it's going to outperform it. But you know what, you, you bring up a good a good um, item there, and that's the variability of tires. You change one little thing, mm-hmm. you change the temperature of a track, you change the, you know, the, the sure. moisture yeah, content yeah. on a road, you change the tires, and suddenly, hmm, things are different. So we've got to drive it as well, is and take the stats up front and go, okay, we know what they are. But then drive it for what it is and drive it for the feedback yeah. that it's giving us right then. That's the, the biggest I'm, thing that you and I are doing. I'm very intrigued to get that, uh, that ND with all the other three generations. We, did, we got it all four. That was part of the other thing. We got a launch edition partially because it was the only thing we'd get our hands on, either through Press Fleet or private owners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but also we had to have it matched with all the other MX-5s, and all the other MX-5s were non, the non-club version. They were all grand touring. In fact, the NC was as loaded as you can get a Miata from the NC generation. Right. So it had right. to match there as well to be, be a discussion point there. And, yes, for those of you going – what about the top down? That's the all four Miata shoot. We did a. There's nothing but top down on those shoots all the way through, so that happens as well. But you know, the thing I think is interesting. It's the whole. It's the whole thing about. Well, I can read stats. 
So people are sitting down, clearly, and I understand this. They're sitting down and they're seeing, well, here's how the club model is clearly supposed to be more hardcore. Look at the, look at the specs of the extra stuff you get. But what's interesting is the people that are commenting on that piece and saying, hey, I've driven the club model and the club model is really not any sharper. I'm not saying that's from us. I'm saying other people that have said, I've driven both and the club model wasn't that impressive comparatively in spite of clearly sitting down and reading. I did it too. You sit down and you read, you go, wow, the club model. And then I start it, seeing it other people's comments on it and going, different. it should do, it should be, I, well, you would think it would be really different. hardcore. You would right. think it would be the S2000 version of the MX-5, but clearly that's not what Mazda makes. And they never really have, let's be honest. Right. So, you know, I mean, I think the, it would be nice to have that S2. It's funny that the S2000 continues to be such a presence, such a force in this it area. It's a, it's a lurking but, ghost anyway. car in the background in this, in the midst of these discussions. And you're right. We're getting yeah. so many opinions weighing on this and saying, okay, well, if you had this product, you know, whatever it is, brakes or, or anti-roll bar or, you know, suspension or whatever those components are, this product makes this do better and it changes that number. Well, not necessarily, not always. And I, I, I find yeah. the, the wide variety. I mean, we've experienced this on a number of different shoots. And so I think that's why we've got to just remain open to it and say, well, this is what we found. Here's how it is. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, sure. look at all these other, you know, the corroboration from other videos and other journalists out there going, yeah, just, you know, just yeah, because I, of what we're reading. I hate- doesn't mean I hate to blank, say it, but you know, I hate to say it, but nobody's gotten in the MX-5 and been like, "Wow, this corner is so flat." That that hasn't happened. <laughs> no, pick pick, pick your no. version, but the ND is not doing that. That doesn't mean. Look, the other thing about it is, we never said it was a bad car. That's the other thing about it. I, That's I a find great it so point. interesting. We've we've yeah. always talked about this. I find it so interesting when we talk about things about a car that aren't good and talk about things about a car that aren't bad, how many people will just hear the bad things and conclude that we thought the car was terrible and it should be burned at right. the stage? If you just hear one yeah. slightly, you know what, yeah. it didn't do this for me. Well, that's not a, a you know a huge negative against the car. This is not vitriol against the car. It's suddenly, well, we're, you know, we're discovering this about it. And you're right. We did not speak yeah. ill of the car. I just... Interesting. I, I don't know. know but so that, much going that, on with it, but... There's so much discussion that's happened in the four or five days since that piece has been out. Right. I feel like we should touch on a little bit. And it also relates to the first thing we're talking about tonight. Nicholas wrote to us, having just bought a 2008 NC. It's his first rear-wheel drive stick shift car. And he has – I'd like to know where you live, Nicholas. You said you're in the deep south. But you've yeah, got this a is half great. Hour, you've got a half-hour back windy road commute back and forth. That's your commute. A half-hour on winding backcountry roads every day is your commute. And so you bought this Miata to try to educate yourself on the rear-wheel drive experience. And your question, which is really interesting, is we talk about get a car that can help you become a better driver. And your question is, okay, I have the car. Now, how do I go do that? <laughs> Nick, your, your question is uh, – or your, your backyard is something many of our listeners wish for. They've, you've got these winding backcountry roads here yeah. you know, available to you. And these are – you know, this is something that – a lot of people want all the time. So you've got these, this car, you've got the roads, and I've got uh, a, a little bit of input here for you, Nick. And, and you ask this question, as Todd says, how do I become a better driver? It's become, mm-hmm. for both Todd and I, and, and you know, I can speak in generalities for both of us, but over the years, obviously, experience counts. So just doing it a lot. But the biggest thing that both Todd and I note is whenever we get into a track situation and an instructor gets in the car with us, 
it doesn't matter if that instructor necessarily knows the track like the back of his hand. It doesn't have to be like the golf pro at that golf course. That driving <laughs> instructor is maybe he's driven the track a few times, but everything the instructor is telling us applies across the board. It doesn't matter what road you're driving or which track you're on. The mm-hmm. same principles apply. And so it's funny because I even take on-ramps in my Jeep Grand Cherokee with a track thinking in mind, and I try to clip the apex, even if it's at low speeds. I'm not saying I'm you know hustling the thing, but even at low speeds, yeah. I'm always thinking, what's the right line? What should I be doing? Where should the car be mm-hmm. on the road? Placing your car, placing your tires. And that's just come from being on track. So you say here you've got very little interest in the autocrossing and track activity as a regular mm-hmm. occurrence. But I will say, both Todd and I get out of cars and we both say, you know what, we know we're faster around the track with an instructor talking on our ear and saying, do this, do that. Of course, building well, up the experience, I mean, we've gotten a lot better. But just yeah, having yeah, that yeah. input and having somebody else evaluate your driving and then taking the road and then saying, aha, here's what you're doing, here's the things to think about, you know, get well, your hands I would, off I would the gear add, shifter, both hands on the yeah, wheel, you know, yeah, all those yeah, things. Yeah, 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 no kidding. You know? Yeah, I would definitely add to that. I mean, here's the thing, Nick. You, you've acknowledged right away that you don't intend to autocross. Paul's already said you don't intend to autocross. You don't want to track. I would say to you, in spite of that, what you need to do is find a high-performance driving day at some track, even if it's the only time you ever go. And here's why I think you should go once and take your car once. You've never had a car like this. What, what's interesting about if you haven't had this experience is you don't realize. Take a, take a Camry. Take an Ultima. You still, most people, I think, don't realize how high the limits are of that car just based on modern tires <laughs> sure. and what cars can do. Right. So take that Miata to a high-performance driving day and do two things. One, put it in the hands of an instructor, and you ride right seat. You ride with Great them. idea. Let them drive your car hard. I will guarantee you it's going to horrify you, but they're not going to break your car. <laughs> and, and they're going to drive it at a level that you're going to get out of it and you're going to think, I didn't, genuinely didn't know the car could do that. Then swap seats. Then right. put them in the right seat and then push hard and have them actually guide you on, okay, brake later, brake later. Okay, now turn. Okay, clip the apex. Okay, put your foot in it. Keep your foot in it. I am not saying because then you're going to drive that way on the road all the time, and it may be your only track day, but what it will do is really share with you how high the limits of your car are and have you thinking differently. And also, as Paul's saying, it'll assess your driving for you to realize, oh, Paul's brought up a great one, the number of people that will drive on the stick shift car with their hand on the stick shift. Put both hands on the wheel. Yeah. But but the other thing, the other reason I say do this all at a track is because I want you to, to, to learn your back winding road like the back of your hand so you know exactly how to take the corners. That's down the line. That'll only come with time. But in a track situation, it's so it's so low danger. I know it sounds weird to say that, but you can drive really hard, but if you screw up, there's generally, depending on the track, but most tracks, room to screw up in a way that a back road will not allow you to. So go to a track where if it goes wrong, it's going to go wrong in the sand trap, okay? It's not going to go wrong somewhere against the trees or the deer in the road, which is the last thing you want. So that's, that's really the way to, to do it safely and to learn a ton. Nick, I'll use sports analogies on you, and that is, you know, when I'm growing up skiing, 
everybody always told me to ski with people who are better than you. They'll take you down black runs. They'll take you this. You know, they'll teach you stuff. What do, you know, the, uh, the football teams do during the week? They analyze the films of how they played and other people are giving input. Golf pros are analyzing your swing. Baseball coaches are analyzing your swing and your stance and how to do it better. You're getting input from professionals who know what they're doing. I love mm-hmm. that you're pushing and you're asking questions, you're trying to discover, but it's going to be tough and it's not going to come as fast if you're just approaching this on your own. And so I will say, find that instruction, find people who are better than you. It doesn't even have to be a, a professional track instructor. It could be the guy who knows the track and knows what he's doing. And oh, say, yeah, the local guy. Sure, yeah. let yeah, me yeah. show you. Todd's got a great point. Let me show you what your car can do. You mm-hmm. had no idea. Mm-hmm. And now let's see how you approach it. Okay, let me give you some tips. Let's start with the basics. Let's start with the fundamentals and the foundation. Yeah. And then yeah, from yeah. there you can say, aha, well, I know my car can do blank. I know it can do that. I'm not comfortable getting the car to do that. So Which is what's fine. the gap? So therefore, yeah, that's where yeah. all that learning is going to occur. And I love that you're pushing on it and, and trying to find it. But I, I will say just keep seeking that instruction from others and people who know the track and know driving instruction and that kind of thing and, and even are if willing you, to share it. And, 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 you know, look, we're not trying to turn you into a track rat. You don't want to no, do that. I understand no, no. that. And, and high-performance driving days can be expensive. They can be a few hundred dollars. But I would say find your local decent track, whatever that one is. I don't know exactly where you are. So find your local decent track. Look up their calendar and find days that either are an open high-performance driving day or some car club is going out. And then look at those car clubs and say, hey, can I join you? Because a lot of the car clubs, it may be yeah. the Porsche Club or the BMW Club, who cares? They're open to people joining if you want to pay the day rate to be out there. And invariably, if somebody is having a car club day, there are guys there that are good guys, that are hot shoes. So you can look up, you, you can kind of have a broad range of days to go. Don't look at a calendar and be depressed about whether well, there's no open day. It could be a car club day. You just have to dig into the car clubs and find if they're open, and they probably are. And yeah, if you're in the deep south, you've got a boatload of great tracks, you know, starting in the Midwest and going east. You know, I'm thinking New York, Ohio, you know, Road Atlanta. You've got loads of options and loads of different kind of tracks to to be able to choose from. Even Houston's got that motorsports park. I forget the name of it, but it's got that, you know, that in that area. Sure. Dallas has got something uh, outside of town, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Austin, you could fly, you could drive Coda. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's start at the top. <laughs> yeah, let's let, let, let's shoot Funny. big, shall we? But no, I mean, look around. There, there are places out there, and uh, yeah, that could be interesting. We should probably move on to our first full car debate, and that is Daniel writing to us about, hey, I want a sports sedan. He has uh, he has two kids. Pardon me, three kids. Three kids, and third yep. kid. Uh, so eight, four, and two. So he can't get a sheer two-seater, but his wife has said, you know what, go get whatever you want. So it's not a full two-seater, but beyond that, he's kind of got free to roam. Uh, he will eventually be taking a kid or two around. I mean, that's just life, let's be honest, Daniel, and you know that. But uh, you've got 35 to 40K, and you're kind of looking at sports sedans. So, of course, guess what? BMWs make the list. Of course. But you've kind of run around a little bit. So this is interesting. I love that your wife has kind of given you carte blanche. I mean, within a budget, but I, I like that she is saying, all right, go get something fun. And you've got a decent budget to work with here, Daniel. The thing is, I'm reading through your email, and I'm getting down further here where you're talking about keeping the Accord as the daily driver. Because as I said at the top of the podcast, Daniel is coming from an all-Honda family. So they've got a Pilot. Yep. They've got an Accord. Uh, had to get the Accord just because he got in a car accident and he had to get that before he was really ready. He was 
set and ready to get the sports sedan before. You something so else. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, you're yeah. primed and ready, and I I don't mind the idea of keeping the Accord just because you know it's old faithful. You can always rely on it. You can always go back to it, and sure, yeah, it's yeah. the runaround mm-hmm. town. And I think it was podcast or two ago where you were suggesting to somebody – you know, a couple of cars or maybe just one mm-hmm. car that you mm-hmm. you don't mind if it gets dinged. And especially with the kids at that point, you can take them. You can just go on grocery shopping errands, that kind of thing. But then you've got your car. You've got your happy place on wheels. And I yeah. like this idea. Of course, BMWs are making the list here. You've got some good suggestions on here, including the manual Chevy SS, which we have now driven at Motor Press Guild Track mm-hmm. Days. A video of which we don't have of that car. We just drove it, didn't nope, we? Nope, we didn't do that. We one. did that not was just create a video, we, we, but we did like it. We did four total, but yeah, that's right. That's and, right. And that was. I mean, you brought up you brought up some uh, some well, obvious sports sedans here. You did say, should I get a manual Chevy SS? And I will say to you, the short answer to that question is. Yes. Yes, you should. Uh, <laughs> but good. that doesn't mean that's the car for you. But if, if you really are sniffing around that car, especially now that we've driven it that way, I can't say enough good things about it. And, I, and I'm doing that not because I'm biased, but I'm doing that because the car's forgotten. I, I'm sitting here going, how is yeah. this car this yeah. good at that money and no one's buying it? If you are considering it, I would say you are in such a rare group of people considering that car. My, my comment to you would be yes, please. But you've also said 335 BMW, uh, 435 BMW, uh, and then kind of to what to me feels like a wild card. The 2016 Camaro SS is not really a sports sedan. But, um, okay, it's in there. Uh, yeah. But then you went old BMWs, which hmm. is an interesting curveball as well. Although, you know, at the price that you're giving us, Daniel, you could get a brand new manual Chevy SS for that kind of budget versus, oh, absolutely. you know, going yeah, yeah, yeah. used. Yeah. And here, you know, Todd's mm-hmm. mentioning you're going older, E46, E90 M3, or the E39 M5, which is... I am still dying to drive that car, and you and I are talking well, about essentially... putting that car on camera. It'd be... Great, it's essentially the Chevy SS is the new version of that it car. Is. It I mean, is. That's it's the American really what we're talking newer about. version of that car. I, I like that idea a lot, of course. And you're ready for it is maintenance and upkeep and all those things. But that's why I keep coming back to the thing about your Accord and keeping it over here. So it's it's not mm-hmm. lurking in the background. It's it's old faithful. It's just there. It's your old friend, and you can rely on it. And you don't have to, you know, if you're going to a shady place downtown and you don't want to. Take the new car. You can just, you know, all sure. those kinds of things. I see. Where and you're so going. you've got this budget, and you've got the new car. So I say, I, at the bottom, the, the very starting place is first. You need to go start driving some things, Daniel. And I say, start with that E thirty nine M five. That that thing is just that is hotness. It still looks good. I say, why not? Yeah, I mean, so I like I like your idea of keeping the Accord, Paul. I mean, there's there's some merit in that, and maybe that is the right decision. I, I think you're going to have to assess kind of the way you're really going to use this car, Daniel. I'm wondering, is it going to be just a weekend fun car? Is it going to be a track car? Can you afford to have a third car with all those insurance and stuff? That's kind of a debate. Oh, sure. I want to run yeah. through your list real quick. I think the Camaro SS is a bit of a left turn, but it's given me a, an idea for a wild card. Hmm. Uh, the BMWs, I think about the BMWs is... What, I think what people envision they're going to get out of a BMW is not what they get with the base BMW without the Sport Pack. So if you want to get one, go shopping for one that has been pretty loaded with the Sport options, and then you'll get the car you expect. I think a lot of people shop for, I barely got a BMW, and then you got a base one and it doesn't have the Sport Pack stuff, and then you end up with a car that's fine, but certainly to the reputation that you expect, it's not that good. 
I like your old BMW idea, but my favorite of your old BMW idea is the E46. Hmm. It's got that old analog, great steering feel. It is a smaller car. I, I think you would thoroughly enjoy that. I would say don't do E90 used. I, look, I like that car. The E90 M3 used, I like it. Oh, yeah. But it's a big car. I'd kind of like to push you towards something. If you're going to go rear-wheel drive performance car for the first time, I'd kind of like to push you toward E46 to get you that smaller, lighter, little bit more old school. I think you'd really enjoy that car. If you're going to go big sedan, I am going to say Chevy SS. I have two wild cards Okay, all right. for Daniel here. One is, if you're going to look at the Camaro SS, which it's a little bit of a left turn away from sports sedans, but I say why not if you're intrigued by it. Look at the Dodge Challenger. I don't think I've ever actually uh, recommended that on the podcast. I don't but think that's ever thing. been recommended, to be honest. Well, here, here's the thing. It's, if you're going to look at cars that you can actually drive the family around in, and this is kind of your fun car, the Challenger is fun. Even if it's not a dart down a back road car. And I don't know that that's really what you're shopping for. You're shopping for rear-wheel drive. I feel like you're shopping for a car with personality. You've enjoyed the Accord as an appliance. You're looking for personality. The Challenger has that with extra to spare. Sure. In any engine sure. configuration, get the six-speed. I can see Plenty that. of room for, for just driving it around. It's got <laughs> Plenty of room for everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Plenty of room for I think if blank. You're gonna look at, if you're going to look at the Camaro SS, I say look at the Challenger because it just, it succeeds, I think, better than any of them in just having muscle car attitude. You want a car with personality, it wins. On the other end of the spectrum, also a wild card, the forgotten Pontiac GTO. It's interesting sure. dynamically. It has sure, great power. I can see that. Yeah. It is the opposite of the Challenger in that it is pretty bland in the personality department, and so it gets overlooked. So those are my kind of wild mm. cards for Daniel. Good options, Daniel. I say, as Todd is talking here, I'm thinking whatever you get, whatever that is, and we'd love to know. It's got to be a manual transmission. That's what I'm hearing from you. Just mm-hmm. rereading oh, your yeah, email, yeah. because think about this: you've got the automatics, you've got the Accord. It's automatic. But I think the thing that's going to attract you to a drive just for the sake of going driving is going to be the fact that your new car is a manual transmission. You're going to get to go interact with the car in a way you usually don't. And I think that's going to attract you to getting, whether it's the BMW, whether it's the American cars that Todd's talking about, get a manual transmission. I think you're going to love having that option, honestly. That's well, what I'm hearing. I from think you. The, the the clear thing is that the Accord has been great. You've had it since it was new. You've had it for ten years. It's been a great car. It's it's. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But let's get you into something that is the other end of the spectrum and just has personality in droves and is an interesting kind of laugh of a car to drive. And the Challenger succeeds in that. Some of these others do as well. But that's kind of why I wound up there. We should we should probably move on before that's we fantastic. do. I should mention. Thank you guys for all of you that are rating this podcast and sharing it. Every single week you guys are doing that. Thank you for responding to that. And we are seeing ourselves consistently. Our average of where we are in the rankings is steadily increasing. We're still winding up in the top 10 regularly, but our just average of where we hang out when we're not in the top 10, that's increasing too. And that's due to you guys sharing the podcast and rating the podcast. So thank you. Please continue. And we should go on to probably Aaron, who's writing to us from Illinois with I think, honestly, Aaron, you may win. Strangest question, <laughs> strangest car debate question on the podcast. This is great, Aaron. I loved reading this. And Aaron's question is what, what we talked about to introduce this, and that is, what is the Buick of small SUVs, parentheses, without being a Buick? Here's the deal. You've got to know this. 
Aaron is looking for his mother-in-law. He's not shopping for himself. He said, well, my mother-in-law needs a new car. She's driving an aged and sentimental Buick because it was her dad's car. So it's a Buick LeSabre. All right, fine. So she's meaning Buick is code for it's got to be soft. It's got to be compliant and just kind of a soft, easy to drive kind of car. So yeah. I like yeah. this, but she he's saying that she doesn't necessarily want an SUV because she is four foot ten inches tall. And I understand that. Aaron, my mother was five foot four inches, which is actually a few inches taller than that. But I get that. She's short. She's very short. She's in at the very 50th percentile of most very small women. So she's not big. I get that. And she doesn't want to have to climb up the stairs into an SUV. So she's got to have something small, which means okay, what is out there that could fit that bill? Kind of pull her out of that old Buick LeSabre, get her into something new. Here's the twist, which is great, that her that Aaron's father-in-law, he wants a Jeep, which is kind of the opposite. Yeah. Jeeps are exactly. tall exactly. and off-roady, uh-huh. and you have to climb up into your Jeep. So what's the what's the balance we're here? Having a, we're having a car compromise you... <laughs> question here. Yeah, This is yeah, great, yeah. And, and I love this. For the bonus line down here, Aaron writes to us and says, by the way, when his nine-year-old and seven-year-old sons reach driving age, this might be the car they inherit. So not only does it have to fit her needs right now, it's got to satisfy his father-in-law. And then, by the way, first car for his kids. Uh, yeah, best, just best of sure. luck here. I mean, this one is, car can this do is, it all. Here. This has painted us into quite a corner. <laughs> I, I will say this: actually, your mother-in-law may not want an SUV, but I wouldn't be surprised if she were to drive an SUV if she'd end up falling in love with it because she would like the commanding ride height. I just possibly, yeah. I, I have to wonder. I, I do have to wonder. I the other thing is this has created for me a, a Buick tagline. Uh oh. Uh oh. It's I'm Buick. Worried. Buick, because Dad had one. <laughs> just say it. That's that's, that's pretty much not, where we started. That's not here. far and off. That's not bad, actually. I just that's you know. But bad. anyway, so okay. So what's the Buick of SUVs? By the way, I will acknowledge that Buick makes a small SUV. They do. It's called the Encore. They do. It is the yeah, Buick it's the Encore. Version, the Buick version of the Chevy Trax, and I don't know that I can recommend that car. It is a small Buick SUV. But um, it is built out of GM Korea. It is a very small SUV, and it is a kind of an entry level. Now, the Buick versions are always nicer than the Chevy versions. They are. But it is your – it's almost even smaller. It's almost like the Mazda CX-3 competitor, not even the CX-5. Mm, it's the yeah. small, small SUV. Can you walk into a dealership and say, hey, I want the Cadillac of Buicks, or I just want the Buick of Cadillacs? I mean, I kind of <laughs> think people will know what you mean even though I, my yeah. brain hurts. <laughs> All right, uh, Aaron, I've got a suggestion for you, and this is actually a car I have recommended before. And I kind of think if your mother-in-law is going to be open to it, and you said she might be, she might be, if you can convince her to go drive this thing, I think it could okay. fit her needs. She could it's, – it's small enough where I think she can fit, maybe a couple of dictionaries, you know, um, and then uh, it'll satisfy your father-in-law's need for a Jeep, so that's starting to give it away there. And then it'll still be okay and, I don't know about cool enough, but maybe for, you know, 16-year-old driver when they're, when they're new. And I'm wondering if you've gone where I think you have. Keep going. All right. Well, it, it is a Jeep. I gave that away. And that is mm-hmm. the new Renegade. 
because I agree. it's small. I, agree. I had it on my list too. I had Did it you on really? My list too. No I, kidding. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's yeah. kind of cool. And the more I look at this car, the more I read about it. We have not driven it yet. We're not generally into SUVs, but I'm intrigued by this little thing because it is good mm-hmm. styling. It looks good. It's not mm-hmm. it's not too one way or the other. It's not so butch. It's not a chick car. It's not a you know more of a guy's yeah. car, more no, of a girl's it's, car. It's and that's sort built of, on the 500x chassis, and it's you know I I do I think I think Calvin that is Klein one of those cologne. cars. That, it's you know one cologne for everybody. It's one car for it, it, everybody. It crosses market there. segments. It ah. really does. It crosses all kinds of market segments. I think that is a worthwhile thought. I had that on my list as Did well. Did you really? Interesting. Yeah, I, I think because because I think that is the one that okay we're talking what is the small SUV and then you know what how do we blend that with the Jeep needs. I mean, it is the one that I feel like kind of falls close to the bullseye here. However, you have something else. Twist, well, the interesting twist here is that by Buick, that's kind of her code for soft and quiet. Right, right. Which takes me to, if you're going to go soft and quiet, you're going to need to go shop Lexus. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, we, we, don't, we don't have a sense here of what the budget is. And if if you're gonna, that's if true. You're gonna, that's if, not named, is it? Yeah. If if Buick is actually code for soft and quiet, don't bother me with the driving experience, then you have to go to Lexus. You know, I mean, you can get the F Sports, and sometimes those are actually interesting. But I mean, you could go the RX into the egg shaped SUV if you wanted to go that route. I don't think that's going to make your father in law happy. I don't. <laughs> you could go into I can the IS. Tell you right now. You could go into the IS sedan, even in the 250 form. That is a that is a soft and quiet vehicle. It's not. It's the opposite of an enthusiast car. And we've obviously completely left Buick. But if Buick is there for code, then, Aaron, I think Lexus has got to be discussed. If you want to say Buick and stay sedan, I do think you should drive the Regal. I think it is overlooked, and it is a worthwhile sedan. Hmm. You know, uh, Aaron, I don't think Todd's far off here, and that's because when my grandfather was 98 years old, he he switched. He was Cadillac and Buick guy his whole life, and he was kind of the same way. So I think, all right, what would he have liked? And he went Lexus. On his 98th birthday, he bought a brand-new Lexus RX. It was the Egg, and he bought the six-year mm-hmm. extended warranty because <laughs> why wouldn't you? And I thought, exactly. oh my I, gosh. I, I planned to live that out. That's, that's, a, that's amazing <laughs> that your grandfather did that, by the way. So um, he went Lexus, and he was very happy with it. And it did fulfill all those Cadillac and Buicky kinds of soft and coddling and quiet kinds of things that he liked in a modern way. And he was very yeah. attracted to it. So, yeah, I can't ignore it. I mean, even looking on the website here, Lexus has this little tiny NX. It's their brand new NX smaller SUV. It's still got all this aggressive styling on it. Again, yeah, I, maybe I, your father-in-law yeah. won't. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, your father-in-law might not like it, but if it does fulfill other needs and you see, okay, it's a safe vehicle, it's a good size, I can see you know high school kids vomiting in the back in a, another decade or so, but whatever. Oh, my gosh. You get my point. It it could wow. fulfill all yeah. these needs. You know what I mean? I mean it's I mean, going to be packed full of. We've got a lot of we've yeah. got a lot of very divergent needs that we're having <laughs> one car to have to fall into here, and so as a result, our our comment uh, comments are kind of all over the map. But I think you can. She's going to have to go drive some stuff. That's the bottom line. And how how tied are we to the Buick brand, or are we just tied to the Buick feel? And I have to all honestly say, an aging uh, Buick LeSabre. How good can that be compared to any modern car you get in? I mean, if I, 
you know, how soft and quiet is it compared to new velour. stuff? I think that's an interesting question when as well. When was the last time you it's described a question. car with velour? Well, but we don't even That's know what, what year be. that was, but I, no. this can't be good news. <laughs> so she's going to have to go drive some stuff because by driving it, and I think she and her husband are going to have to both go. I don't know how much you want to get yourself involved in this, Aaron. Best of luck to you. Be careful. But you may have to go with them and try to <laughs> offer some guidance because we're talking about one car trying to do a lot. And I'm not sure that that car fully exists, but we've tried. Hopefully we've been a little bit helpful. And that is an that is honestly, Aaron. I I'm That's hats hard. off to you because I think that may be the hardest, strangest question we've had. What is the Buick of SUVs? I'm going to go back to. I may send that in, Buick, because Dad had one. That's awesome, actually. The more I think about that, that's that's not yeah. bad. I mean, I don't know yeah, what kind of demographic is going to buy based on that tagline. I'm not sure who you're selling to if yeah, that's your tagline. What's, what's your but target anyway, market there? You there? I, I don't know. Yeah, but. anyway, I think Buick's trying to leave that world. But, I'm uh, landing but anyway, on this thank Jeep, you guys. Aaron. I'm landing on that Jeep. You know that? I, I, like, I like the Renegade. I do. I like it across the board for this recommendation. I just don't yeah. know if, if I it, there's, there's too many unknowns here, and there's a lot of people all wanting to pull on this car. So it could be really hard. <laughs> Awesome. It is. It's true. Th- true. Thank you guys for listening. As always, if you're looking for us, we are always slash Everyday Driver with one exception, and that's our email address, which is TV at gmail. Everywhere else, we're just Everyday Driver. We would love to hear your car debates. You're sending in tons of them. Your car questions like we had at the top of this podcast, we are open to those as well. Twitter, Facebook. Hey, we even do Instagram now and then. We are on all of the above. Awesome. And uh, good news. The Pilgrimage film is coming. We are planning on it. We're really excited to share with you. And as a matter of fact, Todd showed me a little 90-second snippet at the very beginning, and it just got me excited and stoked and pumped all over again. And mm-hmm. I just I had to let you all know that it's it's coming. We're working hard on it. Todd is going to be the, um, the editing monk. He's going to be in a cave yes. and buried and... Yeah, I, possibly I, I dead actually under for a, pile a split second even debated shaving my own head. I really thought about you <laughs> oh know, sh- how far should oh how far God. should I go because <laughs> dedication is going to be required for any wow. desperate attempt to actually beat the deadlines we set for ourselves. I'm not going to shave my head because well, you know, how, would you, how would you how, how how would you make jokes about the long haired guy that needs to get a haircut? If I shaved my head, that oh would all gosh. all that opportunity would be gone. That's true. You know, but by the just time the you guy emerge, in the red it will have all grown out again, and you'll look normal. You know that? Yeah, hardly. But anyway, but yeah. So anyway, so thank you guys as always for being with us. We do have videos every single Thursday. Be sure you're watching, rating, and sharing those as well. Thank you for doing that as you are. And if you are looking for more videos in more places, that's where we send you to Patreon, patreon.com slash, say it with me, Everyday Driver. You can help us there, and you also get little insider stuff as part of that, including you'd get a free copy of our Germany film. So that's another thing to ponder. Awesome. Keep the emails, comments, and uh, all your suggestions coming. Really appreciate it, and look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, guys.